This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Thursday, May 26th. And Brendan, I stopped watching the game uh, earlier today when the Cubs were up three to nothing. I assume they yeah. won that game, right? They won, you know, nice three nothing shutout. Justin Steele looked fantastic. So great. a nice series win for us, Corey. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, yeah, we reject your reality and substitute yeah. our own. Uh, also, you know, but, once, this, once this happened, I don't know if you can see look this. At that. Look at that. You see that? Wow, it's new funny. merch. I know. Once this guy hit a home run, that was it. The game was over. That is not dope CHGO merch, it's as not. Luke Stuckmeyer would it's say, not. but it is a cool shirt. It is. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I have to. I have to support him. You know, he's our shortstop. Yeah. So uh, the Cubs did not win on Thursday, uh, but the benefit of you know you and I, Brendan, coming in to talk about a series is that we don't have to only talk about Thursday. So we will talk yes. about Thursday. We'll talk about all four games with the Reds and. You know, as has been the case with most of this season, Brendan, some good, some bad, and in this series, some really ugly. Um, thank yeah. you, Greg Huss, joining wow, the YouTube chat from the Growing so nice. podcast. So nice. He was glad we talked about PCA last time. But he was. Um, Brendan, like, we knew that the this season had low expectations. We knew that a lot had to go right for this team to be competitive or, you know, better yet, good, right? But coming off of a few series where they, they had won a few series in a row, had a little bit of a winning streak, then they falter in that four-game set with the Diamondbacks. We talked, Cody, Luke, Ryan, all talked, you're playing the Reds. They're the worst team in the league. They won like four games in the month of April or whatever it was. You have to show up and, and win this yeah. series. And they didn't. Yeah. And they split. No. That that part I maybe can get over. But 20 runs on Thursday. Andrelton Simmons ends up pitching. So it's it's not all your actual pitching staff. This is embarrassing, Brendan. The team should be embarrassed. The organization, I think, should be embarrassed. This is an awful, awful baseball team that you just put up almost three touchdowns uh, on Thursday. And it's just one game. It is what it is. I, I knew this team wasn't a World Series team, but boy, like this was a rough one on Thursday. It was rough. I, I will say we likely won't remember this in three weeks if there's any type of consolation. They'll do gonna move worse. on. Yeah. Well, you're in a positive mood today. My God, yeah. I was going to say something a little bit more uplifting. They just split with the Reds. I friend. get it. I get it. Listen, like I'm not happy about it, but this is this is not that surprising. We knew this was yeah. a possibility. There are still exciting features of this team beyond the wins and losses, and. Yeah, I mean, I'm not listen. I'm not thrilled they they gave up 20 runs today. I mean, that's embarrassing to the worst team in Major League Baseball. But as the season progresses, you will get guys called up or tiered. You know, Caleb Killian won't get a start this upcoming series uh, or an upcoming week, but he will be up soon. There are features of this team that have direct relevance this season that has even be more relevance for next season and seasons beyond. So there's still a lot to follow here. It just sucks that you go through these stretches and these games and these windows where it makes you want to kind of get out of it and not watch it, but you kind of have to just keep, keep big picture at this point. It's all you can do. Yeah. And, you know, looking at uh, the YouTube comments here, we're thankful for you guys joining us after the Cubs lose by 15, which is a rare sentence. You don't get to say that a lot. Um, but oh, so yeah, I, I think, you know, Niran makes a good point. Like this, it, it has been about development. And, you know, again, like we knew that this was not a season where they were putting their best foot forward. So I'm not exactly like angry or uh, upset. I wouldn't say it's just, this is one of those games that really highlights. We all talked, like we hope that at the very least they could remain competitive and like be interesting and maybe into June or heading toward the trade deadline, at least be like a fun team to watch and maybe they could screw around. And, you know, yeah, you you, you split with the Reds after you lose three or four of the Diamondbacks. It just highlights like, again, I'm not like freaking out or anything. I knew what we were getting with this team, right? I think you were probably fooling yourself if you thought for sure this is going to be a playoff team or an interesting team. But Thursday was bad, 
Brendan. This it feels like a, a particular low point, and it's hard. You know, you and I, and and Cody, and Luke, and Ryan, and Jared, and everybody at, at CHGO Cubs, like we are talking about this team. We're analyzing this uh, this team. We're writing about this team. So we're and we're diehard fans. We're watching, and this just sucks. Like that's I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I've been trying to not dwell so much on the current roster and their shortcomings, which are several at this point. And you can get, you have every right to be mad watching Andrelton Simmons pitch today. I mean, that's against the Cincinnati rep that, that that's yeah, embarrassing. With a bum shoulder. With a bum shoulder, which kind of made no sense. But at the same time, you know, throughout this week, you get tidbits of success stories within the organization and not to, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate here because we can't be so negative. Um, I love being negative, but right now I'm not going to yeah, be sure we can. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But like you look around the system, the Cubs have the best expected ERA in the minor, in, in all of minor leagues, every single system, the best number one, they made substantial progress from last year. You're seeing PCA continue to go off uh, Alcantara doing well. Uh, Cole Roeder hit a home run today. And Greg Huss is in the comments here saying, Oh, and Casey just went yard. I mean, look at it's because That's I'm talking I'm talking positively. See, I'm giving off good energy. This is this is this is how it works. So you have those aspects, and then you do get Nico Horner back. He did hit a home run today. Ian Happ continues to look really impressive with did sustainable. You know he was from Cincinnati? I had no idea. Corey. Yeah, they don't say it enough. I, I know they should say it. Or went to college there. They, when we go to Pittsburgh yeah. in a couple of weeks, yeah. they'll remind us that he's from yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, we don't, we don't give up 20 runs at Pittsburgh because that would be a shame. Um, but like Ian Happ continues to look really good. And I know Brandon Hughes gave up a home run today, but for the most part, he's looked really, really good as well. So I'm trying to at least put my yeah. mind in thinking on those aspects because it is hard to ignore what's going on with the bulk team at this point. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I just sort of start there because you can go back to uh, for years, you and I, but certainly even, you know, once right when uh, CHGO launched, you know, we talked with the rest of the crew about being upset about ownership, being upset about the direction of things. So trust me, like we're, we're doing that. But yeah, I think you are ultimately right. Like this season is what it is. It was sort of always going to be something like this unless some crazy outcomes went their way. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel the need to dwell on it much beyond that, but I do want to acknowledge at least like Thursday was embarrassing. Splitting with this team is bad and it, yeah, it's just bad, but there is a lot to focus on. And as a lot of the people in our comments are saying, like, that's where things are at. You know, you have to focus on what matters for the future, interesting developments and, so I, on YouTube, BKR Sports says, if I was David Ross, I would have sent Brendan. I, th I think Brendan, David Ross had been ejected by then uh, for the second straight game. So interesting on that front. Uh, but Brendan was a star shortstop. I don't know. Did How you many times arm? do I have to say this? I don't pitch. I play shortstop. I play second base. I can, I could have played shortstop when Andrelton Simmons went out there and pitch, and I could have, you know, looked pretty good doing it, in my opinion. Yeah. So <laughs> – let, let's get into, you know, some of the, the player specific stuff. Um, because yeah, look, th this team is what it is. Um, there, there was a chance maybe for things to, to hit that 99th percentile outcome doesn't appear to be happening. Right. Uh, you go through a stretch like this, especially heading into now you got to play the white Sox, the Brewers, the Cardinals schedule is only going to get tougher. So it is what it is. Um, and, I, you know, as Luke said the other night on this podcast, like however you want to consume this team is completely up to you. Uh, I can assure you that Brendan and I are mad and not happy about the state of this team, but the state of the team is the state of the team. So we're going to try to look forward and get us to that next great Cubs team as, as quickly as we possibly can. Right. And I think perhaps there's some stuff going on that helps us get there. Um, Short recap today, just to set the table, seven to four of the Cubs won on Monday, Drew Smiley, five and two thirds, four hits, three earned, two walks and five strikeouts. He gives a couple, a couple home runs, but Brennan, he, he should be someone at the deadline that I think someone is interested in. Um, you know, he's still trying to get deeper into games, but he's been a, a solid piece. Um, his ERA finally creeping over four, but it had been pretty nice before that. Um, so he should be at least of interest to someone, I would think. Patrick Wisdom and Ian Happ homering in this game on Tuesday, 11-4. to The Cubs win uh, a solid start for Marcus Stroman. Five innings, four hits, two earned, 
two walks and eight strikeouts. So a, a really nice couple starts for him coming back from the IL. And I think, you know, generally, like he had a couple of those blow up outings early in the year, but Brendan, I, I think like you're getting, I think kind of as advertised from Marcus Stroman, like you want to see more as he comes back, but you know, he's just getting back from this is his second start back from that IL stint with COVID. Um, I think he looks pretty good. He seems to have settled down at the very least from the, you know, how things were going yeah. earlier in the season. Uh, Frank Schwindel homering twice in this game. So we'll talk about Frank a little bit. What a, a wild ride that has been. Uh, on Wednesday, it was a four to three loss. Kyle Hendricks, not good in this game. Uh, I'm going to turn it to you in a second here, Brendan, to talk about that. Four innings, five hits, four earned, one walk, and one strikeout. And then uh, 20 to five. That's a real. Real thing that happened on Thursday. The Cubs lost. Uh, not a good start for Justin Steele. It was raining a lot. I, I didn't really feel like they should have been playing through it, but everybody's playing in the same conditions. Two innings, seven hits, seven earned runs, two walks, and two strikeouts. His ERA, Brendan, balloons to 5.4. So uh, a disastrous start for Justin Steele numbers-wise. But let's let's start with, with Hendricks, I think. Um, yeah. You've talked about him a lot. Um, what what he needed. You're to choosing do. your words. You're choosing your words carefully here. I, I am. Can, well, I I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully because I love Kyle Hendricks, uh, and I, I don't like. He deserves, he deserves like our respect. I get it. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I have reverence for Kyle Hendricks. Uh, but I I think what you're seeing from a lot of people, and he's talked about his inconsistencies. He's talked about the things he needs to do better. But I think the the question that I have for you is, yeah. is it is there something that you see with what he's doing that he can get back to being a top of the rotation pitcher, or yeah. is this just kind of the nature of the beast with a guy who is softer throwing, relies on weak contact, relies on pitch speed, movement, eye level? That as they get older, it there's just going to be more of those inconsistent starts and that's just kind of how it goes he he's it's it, i'm choosing my words it's a tough question now. yeah it's a tough question i think to the broader question can he get back to being a top of the rotation starter you know it's been a while since he's been able to look really crisp for a long period of time and that was during the 21 2020 season I will say this year, I, I'm like so confused by his performances. So I don't want to like make claims or try to project. All I can do is try to interpret what's going on. And what's going on is that his sinker is just getting absolutely destroyed. And he's not throwing that pitch as much as he used to. And so in years past, he threw a sinker about four times of every 10 pitches. That that was his bread and butter, as we all know. And then he uses a changeup to get his whiffs and get his outs. The changeup this year, Corey, is getting the most whiffs it's gotten since 2016. Okay. So his changeup efficiency is really good, arguably the best span in six years. So what gives? His sinker command has been awful. Everything is not everything. I'm being, you know, uh, hyperbolic, but a lot of his sinkers are leaking over the middle of the plate. And as a result, that pitch is the worst from a run value perspective. It's ever been in his career and when you watch these games i don't have to tell you these stats to even to even you know make it known everyone sees he's just leaking those sinkers over the middle of the plate and they're getting rocked his four seam usage has gone up a ton this year i don't know if that's because he's not comfortable with the sinker i don't know if that's a scattering poor thing i don't know if they're actively trying to change things but that is the biggest difference from kyle this season from seasons past is that sinker efficiency is awful and the four seam usage is way up as a result of the sinker usage being weighed down. So you can make your own inter interpretations at this point. For me, I thought once the change up efficiency returned, which it has, everything would normalize. And unfortunately that has happened without the sinker being good. I don't know the solution to that. Uh, when talking to coaches, they seem surprised Kyle has not developed a hard breaking pitch, um, like a cutter or a slider. They seem very surprised he has not done that over his career. And so I'm curious if that is something he will consider as the seasons progress here. I don't have a good 
idea if he can return to that. I, I, I am taking solace in the fact that his changeup has looked a lot better. And I feel as if with Kyle, despite these early season struggles, he has a huge history of success and of command. And I don't know what, I don't know what contributes to his command escaping them, but I still operate under the idea that, you know, his command can at least, um, get back to where it's been as recently as last year in parts of 2020. But I understand everyone's concern and I would be lying to tell you if I'm confident about him returning. Like at this point you've seen enough where it's like, all right, I don't like, I don't understand this. That's really the best answer I can give to you. Yeah. I mean, look, like one of the things that we talked about that, you know, really needed to happen if this team was going to be even moderately interesting was that top of the rotation was going to need to be solid. So things went south immediately when Miley was hurt. And now you've got Kyle Hendricks putting up in pretty much every major category, the worst numbers of his career, you know, hard hit rates, ground ball rates, soft contact rates, walk rates, K rates, everything is just, I guess, unless you said the change up. So I guess congratulations <laughs> to his change up for being the yeah. lone sort of bright spot, but really like, when you have, if you're looking at Marcus Stroman to be your your top guy, your number one guy, Kyle Hendricks, it is almost June. He'll probably have one more start before the month of June turns on the calendar. He is two and five with a five point two ERA. Just it, yeah. it's not going to cut it. You know what I mean? It just isn't going to cut it. And I talked a lot about how it obviously from a roster building perspective was a mistake to put so much of a burden on him at this point in his career, uh, coming. I mean, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Just like the, uh, media pressures or just the, no, the, the, like the, exactly what we're seeing. Like he needs yeah. to be really good or this team is going to struggle. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. they just don't have the rotation depth. Alzali was out steel. You, you know, you can't count on that stuff. And with Miley out, him and Stroman needed to be lights out for this team to be of any interest, right? Yeah. And he just isn't doing that. And and I'm saying it wasn't, I don't think it was fair at this point to rely on him to do that with such, you know, importance, right? But right. at the same time, that's how the roster was constructed. We've all complained about how this roster was constructed a million times. Uh, and it's just unfortunate. But yeah, I think like, that's at least how I see it. I know you dig into a lot more specifics and numbers and things like yeah, that. Let me ask you a question though. So like he struggled last year. Do you mix in his struggles from last year with this year? And is that influencing your overall thinking process? Does that, is that, does that question make sense? I, I no, Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think so. I think they're different years and I okay. think the way he goes about things changes and all that stuff. I, I think it's kind of how I phrase the question to you is how I kind of look at this. Like I think yeah. as a pitcher like him gets older, he always had such a, a smaller margin for error than other guys because he can't just blow 99 past you. Right. So when I look at Kyle, to me, this is just kind of what I expect at this point. And I, I've always trust him to put in the work and try to figure things out to get better results. But yeah. when you don't throw that hard and he's described it, like it just being inconsistent and not having such fine command with things, you're going to get blown up. Yeah. You know, if you're leaking an 88 mile an hour sinker over the middle of the plate <laughs> gonna wrecked, five yeah. or six times a game, you're going to get killed. And that's just how it is. So I think that's where I am with Kyle. I expect him. He's going to throw some gems the rest of the year. He's going to have some games just like he did to start the season against Milwaukee, just like we've seen him do a couple other times where you're like, oh, that's vintage Kyle is getting tons of whiffs, bunch of weak contact, great start. But I, at this point, just kind of expect, like, yeah, he's going to have some of these pretty massive clunkers. And unfortunately, rather than years past, that rate might be higher than it, yeah. it usually was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, before we do our break here, just my, my last thoughts on Kyle. And I pose that question to you because I, I see people mixing his struggles from 2021 with this season, and they use those struggles as their rationale for not thinking he's going to be good in, in the future. And I understand that, but the struggles last year are due to very different reasons this year. And that can be interpreted as a good thing or a bad thing. You, you don't want to struggle for more reasons than one, 
But last year, his changeup was not efficient at all. And he had the worst run value on his changeup last year, and his whiff rate was among the worst in his career. Whereas this year, it's the opposite. The changeup is among the best in his career, and the whiffs are among the best in his career. It's just now that sinker is not that effective. So, you know, everyone who listens to this or is watching Kyle, you can make your own opinion, right? But those are the underlying reasons why he's not preventing runs. Last season was changeup not good. This season, sinker not good. And only Kyle knows. Maybe he doesn't. They're trying to search for reasons why he's not linking those two up. But that is a story, and I don't know what to think of it. Again, that's just for me. I'm confused. I'm not going to have an opinion on it. Like I, I have no confident opinion on it. But I, which I, but I think that in a way, you're almost saying the same thing as me. I don't have a confident opinion in it, which yeah. is like, yeah, he's going to be really good because he makes adjustments and he figures things out, yeah. but also some stuff just isn't working. And so some of these starts are going to be really bad. Like they were yeah. in Cincinnati. I just hate watching it, dude. Like I, 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 I always support the team. I want all these guys to do well. I'm one of my favorite pitchers of all time, man. But, but watching yeah. Kyle struggle really sucks. And especially yeah. the, the frequency of home runs. And like it happened on the one that Votto hit off of him where the second Votto hits the ball. Kyle just walks towards, you can tell in his body language that he knows that ball is out. And yeah. we're just getting too familiar with that kind of view of, of Kyle Hendricks it just sucks. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of stuff with this team kind of sucks that that one is like more of an emotional, like, man, this, this sucks. Yeah. I know. Like, <laughs> We're going to get more stars from Kyle this year. You know, it's 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 not early anymore, but it's still relatively early in that he still has, like, I think, like, 20 more starts or whatever it is at this point, more than that. So we're going to follow it, and we're going to have an this is This is what we do know. We'll have an idea by September what we can expect from, like, a probability standpoint of him being good next year. Like, we're going to have an answer he- about that. Yeah, I mean, if he survives the trade deadline, which is his value why you, is not. Why are you so dark today? You have the sunshine behind dark? you. No, 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 that's not dark, Brendan. They traded all like an entire team yeah, I'd be, eight months I'd ago. Be surprised. Like, I'd I didn't surprised do that. I'd be surprised if they trade Kyle with the with those years of team control. Seriously, with so with, would I? And his value is at the lowest. But I'm just I yeah. don't. Don't get don't get mad at me for suggesting they might trade someone. They are clearly they clearly might like that's where this organization is. So I I just would be surprised based on that. The team point control. I was making before yeah. you yelled at me was I'm that if he so he is not a free agent. So you do like with other people, you want to know what you have if he's going to be yeah. part of the rotation next year. And I think at this point, you're certainly not, you know, I don't think you could count on him to be a a one or two in a rotation. I don't think you can build a team that way. But if you can at least have him iron some of this stuff out, it is going to be important. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, break here for our sponsors and then we'll continue talking about this uh, really great team that we have right now, Corey. Okay. So first break here from PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email PointsBet at allCHGO.com. We'll help you out. Remember that PointsBet is your home for live in-game betting. They even have a new exclusive feature, Live NBA. Same game parlay for the first time ever. Build a perfect live same game parlay only with points bet combine your favorite bets anytime during the game you can even boost your live same game parlays and now online signup is available in illinois you can actually download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone signing up with the fastest sports book is now easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds use code chgo to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand bucks so what are you waiting for once the game starts don't just bet live your bet life with points bet gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 second break here from our sponsor athletic greens Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to kickstart my day in the morning with complete nutrition. And I'm not a big breakfast guy, so I want something that's really, you know, nutritious, fast, kind of gets me going in the morning. Now I've been on it for a few weeks and I absolutely love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has kind of like a mild tropical taste that I actually like in the morning. 
So what actually is this stuff? It's just one scoop of AG1 and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. I get a noticeable boost of energy, so I take it first thing in the morning, like I said, on an empty stomach. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, gluten-free, or dairy-free, you're all good with AG1. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance for less than three bucks a day. It's recommended by professional athletes and has more than 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash chgocubs. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash chgocubs. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. So, yeah, and, you know, just looking through the the comments while you're, you were reading that, like uh, BKR Sport, you know, notes like the – disappointing thing is kind of like the season was interesting at least and like somewhat competitive at the start and we've kind of like really yeah. gone straight down um and as david snyder says yeah a lot of injuries like that's also part of it um that certainly hasn't helped but unfortunately that's you know that's part of the deal and when you build a roster that doesn't have a lot of depth especially in that rotation like you know uh yeah that's uh how things go but uh, anything on Justin Steele, Brendan? I mean, this this was that, a, that was disappointing. That's it, the it was. I, I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not gonna like sit here and and blame the rain, but it wasn't good conditions to pitch in. But yeah. this, it, it was disappointing just because he was on that run. Of course, uh, you know, p- pitching in the last two starts against the Diamondbacks, uh, struck them out 19 times and in, I think 11 innings over two starts, and then here, just just a mess. Um. And what's, what's unfortunate is, is, you know, now his like season line just doesn't look good. And I don't know that that's really reflective of the overall body of work that he's given us. Like, like his ERA is in the mid fives now, which I don't, I don't think is how he's pitched quality wise. I mean, a two inning game where you give up all these runs will do that. Uh, But anything in particular in this game that is concerning or is this, what did, uh, what did Joe Madden used to say? Throw this one in the garbage and and move on, right? Yeah, so I was watching, you know, pretty closely pitch by pitch. You know, his command did escape him in that uh, third inning when he eventually got taken out. But I didn't think it was as bad as the numbers looked. And I thought he made a few good pitches and fortunately got hit. And there was one example where he threw uh, a well-located 94-mile-per-hour uh, forcing fastball up in the zone to – um, Aristides Aquino, and he just hit a double down the right field line and was just severely late on it. But that double made that rally continue, and he was na- never able to recover. And then the home run he gave up to Kyle Farmer was an absolute joke. So that pitch was like three inches below the strike zone, and he fishes that pitch out. It was a uh, uh, Kyle Farmer had a day, yeah. And so he, he fished had a career that, in an afternoon, yeah. yeah. So he fished that pitch out. And unfortunately, Justin got dinged for it. So if you if you just look at his like you know illustrator where he threw his pitches, I thought the majority of pitches were commanded really well. And I thought it actually was a step in the right direction based on what we saw. It's just he, you know, the Reds for some reason were on today. And I don't know what was going on, but they did not miss any pitches and they were even hitting Justin's pitches outside the strike zone and pitches on the corner. And then when Justin didn't miss there in the third inning, he got zero, zero help whatsoever. And it was a perfect storm, so to speak, but he didn't go to a sinker. He was a two pitch guy today. And with him, we talked about it. That's going to happen sometimes when you don't have a diverse repertoire, you know, if you're not sharp on one pitch, 
your margin for error is significantly lower if you were to have more pitch types. And as he went through the order multiple times, it's exactly what happened. He got no help as a result. So I still want to see Justin use that sinker slider combination. I don't know why the last two starts, he just completely scrapped the pitch again. He's only threw it a handful of times combined in the last two starts. Uh, whereas in the previous couple starts, he was throwing it once every four pitches. So that's a disappointing aspect for me, but I don't think the runs given up were truly reflective on a poor performance, but I'm not saying it was a good performance, but I don't, sure. I, I don't think he deserved that bad. Yeah. Well, and you know, this is uh, a, a big spot for him. You know, we're, we're a couple months into the season here and, uh, this was obviously, you know, a, a significant low point for him. And he's one of those guys we're trying to figure out what you have. And he had been on a nice run. Now he has to make the adjustments and come back and get him, you know, keep himself yeah. in that conversation. And it, it, it doesn't necessarily, they don't have to tie into one another, but it is interesting because, uh, you know, we did get the note from our guy, uh, beat writer for CHGO Cubs, Ryan Herrera, that Keegan Thompson will start the Saturday game against the White Sox. Yeah, be fun. Yeah. So Keegan's been very good. A lot of people have been quite intrigued to continue seeing him get these opportunities in the rotation, and he is going to get one uh, against an offense. I'm not sure how they're doing at this exact moment, but they've been scuffling. A lot of that White Sox lineup uh, save, I think, for Tim Anderson. So uh, good opportunity for Keegan. And yeah, like, you know, as, as some of these guys in the rotation struggle, like Keegan's been doing really well, like there there's opportunities available for a lot of these guys. And Keegan is certainly one of those guys. If he continues to pitch like this, show that he can go deeper into the games, uh, show that he can go through orders two, three times. Like the, the opportunity is yeah. there if that's the role they want him to occupy. Yeah. And, and it's like my thinking with Justin hasn't really changed that much. I'm, Sometimes I have to be a little bit more explicit on the expectations. At this point, he's likely a back of the rotation starter, swingman guy. Yeah. That's that's the reality of the situation. That's still valuable, and that's not to knock mm -hmm. him whatsoever, especially when you have that many years of team control. But you see it on display today what those pitchers look like who only have you know one standout pitch and for justin that's that slider the four seam fastball has some natural cutting action on it that prohibits some carry that you see from guys like rowan wick and that's why i kind of want to see him use more pitch types and he and he's not doing that consistently uh, consistently so until that changes i'm operating as if there are other opportunities for other guys who could take that role and Justin yeah. could be a bullpen guy. And again, that's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. At the same time, there is a possibility Justin can continue to develop these other pitches and he can work his way into the rotation. And those two outcomes are perfectly fine with me. And I think they're both those are interesting to follow, Corey. Yeah, well, and I, that's the whole point, right? That's what a lot of this season was about. Is it's okay if you come to the conclusion, like, yeah, I think Justin is better suited for kind of the role that Keegan was occupying for most of this season. Maybe they yeah. flip-flop by the end of the year. Yeah. We feel like That's Keegan fine. is the one who is is the long-term starter, something like that, right? That's fine. That's the whole point. You know, when we're on here talk coming after a game where they just lost by 15 to the Reds, like it it doesn't it doesn't matter, right? What matters is the development of these guys and what we learn about these players for the rest of the season. Not yeah. that they, you know, that they lost this game or like you know, like that is what it is. We know. Um, one guy I want to talk about though, like really quickly, um, just to like note this, cause he, he had some, uh, you know, uh, a big, a big series here, hit a couple homers in the game on Tuesday since he came back, uh, from his stint in the minors, right. Air quotes on that one. If you're listening on the podcast feed, uh, Frank Schwindel, has a 254, 290, 508 slash line with a 122 WRC plus and four home runs. We talked about Frank a little bit and like his, his numbers on the year, he's, he's, I think he's around an, like a 90 WRC plus so still a little, you know, like 10% below league average. Um, but he like, you just have to give him props for that, man. Oh yeah. To be able sure. to come back from that, especially at this stage in his career, like 
it's just, it's impressive. And the attitude he does it with, like in, in now probably back-to-back seasons where the Cubs are not really entertaining us in, and giving us that joy that we really want them to, um, he's a bright spot. He's fun. It's, it, I, I would much rather be watching like an elite first baseman who's putting up like a, you know, an MVP level season. Like I'm being honest about that, but like you got to give him some props for dealing with a lot of stuff and coming back from uh, a 24 hour stint in triple a and just, and killing it. Yeah, man. And I, I, I was really intrigued by his relationship with Christopher Morell. I don't know if you were catching that, but they had their own like a little handshake going on. You got Christopher Morell doing like the, the finger pointing stuff, which was pretty funny. Uh, so it just, it represents what the people in the players and I'm sure the staff in the clubhouse think about Frank and there is value to that it does allow you know the exchange of ideas maybe people pick up on different things from each other when they communicate more and they can grow their own games so i do i do value that aspect of frank he still has a lot to go it's great that he came back from that yeah. like less than 24 hour uh demotion. Yeah, I, yeah i just want to give yeah. him props for that he, and he deserves all the props and with a lot of dark spots in the season you're right you do have to embrace the fun parts and and the well, bright so spots. let's 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 stay on that and on a guy that you mentioned uh before we hit our next break in a few minutes here uh let's talk about christopher morell because we yeah. talked about He's him amazing. when he when he hit that home run in his first at bat we we, we talked about that because that was a, a fun moment it was electric the calls were great everything about it was great wilson's reaction it's still a very small sample that we've seen from him. Uh, but, you know, after today's game, he's only at 37 plate appearances. So still very small. But this guy's 22 years old, Brendan. And I, I just figured we could at least now we've seen him a little bit, right? He's playing several different positions. But the one thing that stands out, and I was talking with, I feel like I mentioned a friend of the podcast, Matt Clapp, at the blog finds on this pretty much every time we're on here. He's great. You should be following him. Um he was a guy who did not walk early in his minor league career. Yep. And the plate appearances that he has put together at the major league level, right? He's uh, He's got about an 11% walk rate in those 37 plate appearances so far on the season. But this was a guy who, when he was coming up, a lot of people talked about him with somewhat of a hobby-type profile, right? Big power, going to strike out a lot, not going to walk, right? And he's made some adjustments on that, but watching him in this series against the red, the reds, you know, he had like a seven pitch at bat, a nine pitch at bat. The first home run he hit was on a three, two count. Like this is a 22 year old who has clearly made some really impressive adjustments to his game. And what stands out to me, right? It's a small sample, but one thing that you can kind of gauge right away when you start watching these games, he feels and looks like he belongs here at this yeah. level. And, and, and this, this moment, this competition is not too big for him. He's not overwhelmed by it. He he's obviously going to go through struggles. He'll have to make adjustments, et cetera, just like everybody else. But he came up here and he just has that attitude of like, I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm not going back down. I belong on this team. I'm going to prove it. Yeah. And you know, I, you're, I'm going to make it very hard for you to send me down just because I have options. Right. He's, he's doing exactly that. And the plate discipline is the most surprising aspect of his success so far. Because you talk with other people who follow the team closely and the, and the prospects closely, and you know, I feel as if I was not expecting this degree of plate discipline. His chase rate is under twenty percent. It's in you know the teens. That is absurd, Corey, for a 22-year-old who was described at times as being this quick tit, a quick twitch guy like Javi Bias, but he's anything but that at this point from a plate discipline perspective. And so you see it. He worked a nine-pitch at bat in um, in Wednesday's game. He is putting up quality at bats, fouling off pitches, and he's looking like a, a veteran, honestly. And he's doing this with the ability to play center field, which he did today, made a nice catch um, before he was moved off the position, playing shortstop, making really nice defensive plays at shortstop from the grass, showcasing that arm. And there were a few relay plays, although they 
ultimately weren't for outs, but you can see he has zero problems um, with inhibition. What I mean by that is he'll just let off a rocket throw. Yeah. And you can tell, and like, you can kind of tell when some players are a little bit apprehensive about doing certain things. Um, Javi Baez is the complete opposite of that. He has zero inhibition whatsoever, yeah. a natural baseball instinct. Morel has that. Um, and some players don't have that. And uh, like when I played, I was a complete mental mess. Um, you can tell, don't do that. But I, I didn't want to bring myself up, but it, but it was true. Like I, like you have, like you have this inhibition that you don't want to mess up. And Morel does not have that. And he's doing all of this with great discipline. Maybe you want to see a little bit more contact, but he is that kind of power uh, profile. I'm beyond impressed, Corey. And I yeah. don't see how you can send him down at this point because, if anything, of that positional diversity too. Well, and just he's another one of these guys. Like you gotta, you gotta see what you have. Like he's very yeah. young, so like however they feel is best for his development. But like he's he's playing well. Um, you know, he's hitting over 300 right now. He's got an OBP over 400. So like the numbers are good, obviously, as you're watching him play. And he, I think, falls in line with like, just see what you have. Like he, you don't have to feel like, oh yeah, we found our starting third baseman or anything like that. Like as long as you feel like, hey, this guy can be a utility man. You know, he can play a bunch of different positions. He's got speed. He's got an arm. He plays good defense. He's got obvious, like huge power uh, when he connects on some of those. So see what you have. And if he's a guy that you can sort of check off, like, yeah. Like if he's, even if it's a, Hey, he's a 300, 400 plate appearance guy next year playing three, four different positions. Great. You need those, right? We've talked endlessly about how, how top heavy, like some of even the good Cubs teams were like the bench wasn't good. Some of the depth wasn't good. We talked for years where Javi didn't even have a, a an actual backup shortstop, right? Like, so these guys are important. Like nobody's trying to sell you that like everything going on is going to be the most important thing in the world for 2023 and beyond. But Christopher Morel can be a player and you want to yeah. find out to what degree. And like, yeah, I, I get the options thing. You want to do what's best for his development at 22 years old. But at this point, like I want to watch him and Nico up the middle. I don't want to watch Anderson Simmons. Right. I don't want to watch Jonathan VR. Give me Christopher Morrell. That's that's what we all want. Right. If we're going to suffer through them losing by 15 runs, let me watch Christopher Morrell at least. Right. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And Fair. Before, yeah. before, before I go off on our, our second break here, you know, you put this idea in my head. There there are there's a lot of negatives right now. Right. And, um, you know, I focus more so on that. Um and then I admit, but you know, you look at Ian Happ, you look at Morel, you look at Nico, you look at Wisdom, you look at Saya, you look at even Rivas. The numbers aren't there, but the underlying play discipline suggests it could get there. Those are the valuable pieces, man. They're not going to be maybe like your staples. You may have to go out there and likely get you know some superstar free agents to supplement that team. I, these I are, think you can strike the likely from that. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. The, these are these are valuable pieces, and. Uh, Again, I'll read this ad here, but I, I do think the idea of where do you play Morel once Nick Madrigal comes back? Because you you got to play Nick as well. And some fans are very frustrated by his lack of success at this point, but you have to, you have to play Madrigal. And that means then where do you play Morel? All right. right. So break here from PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from CHGO Locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com. We'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish off uh, from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book that's easier than ever. So you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet, live your bet life with points bet. Game problem call 1-800-522-4700. So we, yeah, we have the aforementioned, our guy, Ryan Herrera in the chat here. I was going to say, uh, Ryan must have missed the shirt. Uh, yes, Brendan is very happy that- yes. Uh, Thank you, Ryan. Nico Horner is back, homered in the game today. I, you guys, it, it, like, you guys have no idea the level to which uh, some of you, if you've been listening to us for six years, I think you have an idea of who Brendan is as a person. Yeah. 
Uh, well, but I, what I was going to say. What I was going to say is you have no idea the level to which Nico's power, when he slugs, uh, how happy yeah. that makes Brendan. Yeah, my, my brain just gets flooded with dopamine. You know, it's yeah. like too connected to his power. That's all that matters. He makes all those great plays in the field, loves it. Yeah. Everything about his game loves yeah, it. It's a home but run. Power, a double, a triple, a homer. Oh, man. His whole week is made. I'm like the rat pressing the lever for dopamine. Like yeah. that's what Nico's power I just want to see Nico hit homers. But yeah, it, it, it is good to see him back. Obviously, that was such an unfortunate like mess of an injury with the umpire uh, I mean, running into him and all of that. And he had just been doing so well. So um, that's that's something that we want to see. Uh, yeah, Ryan. Ryan, and We have a graph coming up for you, Ryan. Don't worry. I can't, I can't, uh, yeah, I we have a graph on Keegan Thompson yeah. when we yeah, preview we'll, that White Sox we'll series. There. But yeah. Um, the other update, though, Seiya Suzuki leaves, uh, you know, I think with a, a sprained finger. So have to keep an eye on that. It's just, you know, one of those things that hopefully it, it's 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 not a super serious injury. But as we've seen with stuff like that in the past, it can affect a player and keep him out of the lineup or things they have to monitor. So uh, I think x-rays were negative on anything worse, uh, but something, you know, he'll have to monitor the pain threshold and all that other stuff to make sure that he heals up properly um on offense somebody i i do want to point out we joke like they they like my thing is like we know that ian happ went to the university of cincinnati right we know that he is from pittsburgh right yeah. we also know that jason kipnis was from northbrook illinois right i think yeah. sometimes broadcasters just don't realize how, like we're all watching almost every game we're paying attention like ian happ's been on this team for years they play cincinnati 15 times a year we we know you know, like we know he's a, a Cincinnati kid from uh, from college. But anyway, he does love hitting there. He he just kills it in that ballpark and against that team. And as we're talking about, you know, the 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 overall state of the team at this exact moment is is bleak, I suppose. Um, he has had a really, really good season, Brendan, and a very interesting one. It's not really yeah. the same way that he has produced in the past, um, you know, because he leaves, uh, Thursday's game, he's only got five home runs, uh, yeah. in 2021, for example, he had 25, right. But you look at some of his overall numbers, his K rate is down about 8% from in 2021. And he's hitting 275 with a 386 on base percentage, 442 slugging, which is good for a 135 WRC plus. So 35% better than an average, than a league average player. Like he is having a really nice year. Yeah, uh, it's really impressive, um, exceeding my expectations. I've been down. I've been down on Ian Happ uh, because the consistency has not been there. He's gone through these really elongated valleys of adjustment periods that I grew impatient watching. Mm -hmm. This th this season, I think you have to take notice of what he's doing because the sample size is pretty large at this point. His contact rate, to your point about the strikeouts, his contact rate is league average, uh, slightly better than league average, around 77%, which is about eight percentage points higher than his career rate. Now, when you look at contact rate, I, I don't, sometimes stabilization kind of gets misconstrued, but when you look at when that particular number play discipline stabilizes, it's around 50% plate appearances. And that means when you take a sample and you split it up right in half and you look at when those two split samples are very similar to each other at about, I guess to say it more generally, at a 50% similarity rate, it's 50 plate appearances. And so at this point, you can tell Ian has made uh, changes that from a statistical perspective appear sustainable, but those are dependent on the environment staying the same. And so with Ian, I need to see him adjust again. I do because pitchers will adjust and I'm hoping that contact rate does stay uh, elevated at this particular point. But we've been, we have been tricked is a very strong word, but we have been made to believe that some of the changes he's made in the years past were sustainable and they ended up not being such because the league did adjust. 
The other encouraging aspect of Ian this year is his defense has looked a lot better. His outfield jump rate is in the 80th percentile, so only 20% of outfielders have been better than him. Uh, his outs above average is about league average, which is fine if he can uh, be an above average offensive guy, which is what he is right now. And then the very last feature that I'm impressed about is his ability to hit sliders. So this year he's produced seven runs on sliders, which is the best rate of his career. And in fact, amongst all the other pitch types, he's having the most success against sliders. And that's where the league is trending these days where pitchers are throwing more sliders. And so the fact that that's where his success is coming from with the improved contact rate, everything appears to be really encouraging. And the hope is it just continues. That's that's really where I'm at. And it's, it's, it's very fun to watch. And I think everyone should really take a lot of attention to this in a positive direction for 2023. Yeah, you look at if you're looking at just uh, WRC plus, he ranks 16th among all major league outfielders uh, in WRC plus. And I think the most impressive thing for me is the way he's hitting as a right-handed hitter. I mean, there were yeah. points where I've had conversations with you where I'm I've asked, right. like, <laughs> should he keep doing this? Like, yeah. is it worth? I know for switch hitters, a lot of it is the process and, and keeping doing that. It's not necessarily so easy to just drop that off uh, because they're so used to it. But I had wondered that. And boy, has he made some adjustments. He got better numbers hitting as yeah. a, a right-handed hitter this year, like by kind of a, a good margin. But from I both sides of the plate, player. he's put up above average production. And he is, uh, you know, he he's under contract or, you know, are eligible for 2023, not a free agent until 2024. So he's a guy who, if, if he's sticking around, like he's going to be a part of the team next year. And if you can go into next year with Hap and Saya as two of your outfielders, again, they're going to no question, right? Like they're going to need to add a lot of talent to this roster, a lot of elite talent. They're going to have to spend money or make trades. We're all watching the same team as you. Like this team isn't overnight going to turn into a competitor. They're going to have work to do. But part of why we go through so many of these guys and breaking them down and, and trying to understand them good or bad, right? Whether it's working or not working is yeah. just trying to, to knock off as many of those as you can. And right now, Ian Happ is no question a he he can be a starting outfielder on a competitive team. I I think in this environment, given what he's done, there's more reason to believe that's the case right now. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, the environment changes, and the hope is Ian will adjust to that as well. Sure. I I, I do want to because I want to get into maybe Keegan. This might be a good opportunity yeah. to do it. Just a quick two-game set, so let's preview that, and then we'll talk about Keaton well, a little I bit. Mean, so neither of us are really like big uh, crosstown guys in terms of like yeah. freaking out as to to whether they, they beat the White Sox or not. Yeah. But I, I have a, a gripe now with this because okay. now, granted, they just lost by 15. I'm not exactly jonesing to watch the Cubs tomorrow. But no Friday, no Friday <laughs> game, it feels criminal, right? Again, it gives us a reprieve from potentially watching them lose by double digits, which yeah. is nice. I'm sure everybody appreciates that. Yeah. But still, no Friday game. I don't know. I don't like it. I mean, I don't like it either. I mean, I'll sit there and watch another twenty to five loss. If that's what it takes. Like I like seeing baseball. Um, weird. I don't know why. I don't know why they do that. But quick two game set starts on Saturday. Uh, Keegan Thompson was announced as starter for that game. He'll be facing Johnny Cueto for the White Sox, who is uh, you know. He's making his first start, I believe, as, as a White Sox. So that will be interesting no. from their end. It's sec second start. Second. second start now. Okay. He has no decision, no year race. Maybe so. even his third, but it's Maybe not his first. first. It's going to be his third start, guys. Third, third start. start. Thank you. Okay. Hasn't given up yeah. a run yet either. Big White Sox guy yeah. over here, you can tell. <laughs> uh, and then we know nothing about the, the White Sox. I, what I know about the White Sox <laughs> is when I talk to Herb Lawrence and Sean Anderson Which from the CHGO White Sox podcast. Yeah. And that's, that's what I pick up. So apologies yeah. to Johnny Cueto, but I'll also use that as an opportunity to remind everyone that he gave up the lone run in uh, game one of the 2016 NLDS to Javi Baez on a home run. Yep. The Cubs Nothing. won that. They went on to the World Series. See how quickly we can do that? Yeah. See, Brendan's got the yep. flag. I got yeah. this. Yeah, we're good. We yeah. live in the past, you know. <laughs> I always live in the past. That's, yeah. that's how I wake up in the morning. Yeah. 
All right, uh, Sunday. Uh, spe- speaking of the bass, we have Dylan Cease fishing for the. Oh, great! Oh, I didn't know that. Ugh. Fishing for the White Sox. Uh, at least as I'm looking at this, the Cubs have not announced a Sunday starter. Um, so just stay tuned on that on uh, your Friday off day. That'll be and, great. And that's it. Uh, this is a quick two game set. Cease uh, had had been really good. He got he got knocked around in that that kind. I mean, they're very different pitchers. I'm not comparing the two. I am only saying that Cease's numbers were a lot better before his most recent outing against the Red Sox. He experienced something like Justin Steele just went through where his ERA like immediately yeah. looks completely different. His it's ERA still, before that was a lot better than Justin's, but you it's get still, yeah, it's still 3.3. He's got a four and four and one record. So he's still having a pretty good year uh, for me. I mean, I think this, this two quick game set is just focused on Keegan. Um, you know, I always dial in on that pitching uh, Keegan look out for that change up. So there is a graph here. Perfect. So the reason I'm owning in on Keegan's changeup is because in his last start, he threw that pitch way more and at a rate that was his highest one game usage of his career. So the graph, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, go to YouTube, uh, go to Shield, you'll find this there and you'll see this graph at this uh, particular 56 minute marker. Uh, what you're looking at is the difference in vertical break between Keegan's cutter and his changeup, which is highlighted here in red, versus the major league average, which is highlighted here in gray. These are distribution graphs. And what you're noticing is that Keegan's red graph is closer to zero versus the major league average. This means that Keegan's changeup depth is almost a mirror of his cutter and at a rate that is better than league average. And when he used that changeup in his last start, he got four swings. He got a whiff on the pitch. He threw it nine times for a 14% rate, and he threw a total of five pitch types. That is a major league starter. If you can go out there and throw those multiple pitch types, especially one being his changeup, that works really well off of his cutter. So as I'm watching this game against the White Sox, I'm thinking to myself, and I'll be really dialing in, is he throwing that changeup again? Because if he is, then let's see how effective it is. Because if that changeup continues to be effective, the conversation between Keegan and maybe comparing him to Justin Steele, as well as Keegan and just in a bullpen role, that conversation will change. And my thinking will change. And Keegan, if he does do this, you increase your likelihood of getting through the order more than two times. As a result the probability that he can be successful as a starter appears greater than Justin Steele. And if that happens, then I would like to see Keegan start more and I would like Justin Steele to go to the bullpen more. That's just how it works based on the likelihood of outcomes there. So when you watch this game, look at that changeup. One, how many times is he throwing it? And two, is it effective? And three, look at when he throws it. Maybe he does throw it off of that cutter. And my expectation is he will throw that pitch mostly to left-handed batters. That's typically what they've been doing with other pitchers in the system in, in year past. They did that with Abra Alzali last year against lefties when he had some problems against them. And the thinking there is that that pitch is going to tail away from lefties and it almost acts as an anti-cutter, um, which has a better probability of getting whiffs and a better probability of not leaking over the the plate into that barrel of handed batters, Corey. Yeah, Um I, I mean, really simply off of coming off of this one, like I, I would just like to not be embarrassed by this team for a day. So especially playing the White Sox, like it's, it's, you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, local attention on those games in the city of Chicago. So, you know, is that, a, is that, is that the bar is like beneath the floor at this point? Like, please just don't embarrass us for the entire weekend. Right. That's, that's all anybody's asking. Um, I'm not looking forward to the cease game because if he does well, which he has for the most part in 2022, we're just going to hear about it uh, nonstop. But don't watch the game live. It's like you know, watch it, it, it after is, it's over. You know, I can't help myself. We're gluttons for punishment. I'll be there just like every other day. I can't help it. I know. I we have problems. Yeah. This is part of our problem. Uh, so Brendan and I will be back with you uh, early Monday afternoon. We'll have an episode for you uh, breaking down those two games over the weekend. Though 
pregame and postgame for both games uh, with the Crosstown crew. So uh, Cody and Luke for the Cubs, I believe Herb and Sean for the White Sox. And then uh, Vinny should be there at the games covering for the White Sox and Ryan Herrera uh, covering for the Cubs. So don't miss, uh, again, pre and post for both of those games on Saturday and Sunday with uh, the larger Crosstown crew. Brendan and I back with you uh, early Monday in in the morning, I think around 11 or so, we'll have our uh, recap episode for you. And of course, uh, in addition to watching all of the content this weekend for the Crosstown series, uh, we appreciate all your support for everything going on at CHGO podcasts and live shows, every team, every game and post game shows. And of course, all the premium written content like Brendan's piece about Keegan Thompson's changeup, all of the great work from Ryan and Jared and the rest of our team at allchgo.com. When you sign up to become a member, you get a free shirt and access to the members only discord. Thank you for your support. Thank you to everybody in the YouTube chat today. And if you're listening, uh, on Friday morning on the podcast feeds. We appreciate your support for the CHGO Cubs podcast. We will talk to you on Monday morning. And as always, go Cubs.